Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. joining us tonight. So glad you're there. Appreciate you coming along. I'm here in the house. Soapy's here. Stacy is not with me this evening. He's staying uh, with family. Got a little little chore going along with the uh, with the grand boy, and so she's in the staying at home tonight, working with uh, William. And so it's just just you and me, and John. <laughs> Juanito, here in the house with me, here John is, and uh, this is The Bible Live. We're going to finish out what we did this uh, past week in our Bible readings. We finished the book of Deuteronomy, which is the last book of the Torah, the Pentateuch, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. We finished up the book of uh, Deuteronomy, reading chapters 28 through 34, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. And if you remember correctly, Deuteronomy uh, is a book that is written, uh, well, it it, it records the events happening in the last month, the last 30 days of Moses' life, and the last 30 days of the people of Israel camped at the east on the east side of the Jordan River. In other words, uh, they're, they're poised, ready to go. Uh, perhaps two to three million people poised there at the east side of the Jordan River, uh, ready to cross over this time. Remember, they, uh, were supposed to, they were ready to enter in the book of Numbers. Uh, we have the, they were ready to go in. They sent in 12 spies to scope out the land to see if they, uh, how, where they should attack on what should be their, uh, point of entry in the first battles and so on. But the 10 of the 12 spies came back with a very pessimistic, discouraging, uh, observation. That was their, what they took away from seeing uh, into the promised land, a land of milk and honey, uh, a rich land. Uh, and they came back and said, we can't do it. They're too big. They're too powerful. Uh, and so based on their witness, their testimony, their encouragement, the people of the nation uh, refused to go into the land. Now, only Caleb and Joshua, two uh, of the spies, came back saying, let's go for it. We can do it. God is with us. This land was promised to us, you know, you know, claiming all the promises that God had given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of their, uh, through them to Moses and so on. They knew and understood there was a covenant land for them. Um but and those two wanted to go in and take the land, but uh, the ten other spies influence won out, won the day, and the people of Israel then were um, 
judge uh, the the consequences of their failure to act, the failure, uh, the lack of courage to enter into the land and trust in God. Uh, they were told they would need to wander in the wilderness uh, there and that they had come up through. They would wander in that wilderness for 40 years and until... All of the men, uh, 20 years of age and older, had died away in the wilderness, a whole generation dying and away. And then they had come up again, and they are now poised for the second time. And they have numbered again. They have taken a census of their fighting men, and they are ready to go in. Now, in that time then, uh, as you remember, toward the end of their time in the wilderness, most Moses was uh, again. The people were complaining about and, and about the lack of water, about uh, their sufferings or whatever. And God had provided for them for all those many years. And but once again, we find them complaining. And Moses uh, had, is told by the Lord once again to give water to the people. This time, he was not to strike the rock, uh, and water would come pouring forth. But this time he was only to speak to the rock. These are just the, the information that we have there from the scriptures. But instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. And then the water would poured forth. But because of his disobedience and I suppose we must believe there is something more going on. There was something more to the story than it sounds to us, maybe just something, just a technical slight difference. There must have been some other aspect of this going a little deeper. Moses' disobedience, not obeying God. Uh, we, in our scriptures, it says that you did not respect my holiness. You did not reflect my holiness to the people. In some way, in his disobedience, Moses' uh, failure was to be punished by him not being able to enter into the promised land. When the people of Israel cross the Jordan and go into the promised land uh, to to occupy the land that God had in his promise, his covenant had given to the people of Israel, uh, Moses would not be with them. Now, we had a question last week in our uh, program that uh, when did Moses get to enter the promised land? And, and someone remembered that it was during the the uh, life of Jesus of Nazareth, uh, centuries later, about 1,500 years later, that Moses appears with uh, Jesus, with Elijah and Jesus, on the Mount of Transfiguration. And uh, so, therefore, in some way, well, in some form or shape, Moses was indeed uh, able to go into the Promised Land uh, those many centuries later. But uh, that's where we have left the people of Israel, there on the east side of the Jordan. Uh, Moses has delivered his uh, last messages. The entire book of Deuteronomy uh, consists of four separate messages that were delivered, that Moses delivered to the people. Uh, Essentially, it takes the shape of a, a, a treaty or a uh, a, a covenant or a treaty that, that, for example, a conquering king would um, 
write out a, a treaty or a, a, a terms of relationship with uh, a conquered people that he had his vassal state and he would review their history he would talk about their the details of their contract uh, and the blessings that would come the rewards for obedience and the curses or the punishment or um the the uh, consequences of disobedience were laid out in in the um contract in that uh, peace treaty and then of course uh the uh the uh conquering king would encourage in the final section the people to obey the contract and and lay out and so that's what we have in the book of Deuteronomy uh we this last week read chapters 28 through 34 and then i think it is on wednesday night we finished the book of Deuteronomy and went over jumped over into the new testament now for the gospel of mark we read the gospel of matthew during the time of the christmas celebration uh and now we come to the gospel of mark which we got uh we read chapters 1 through 8 in the new in that new testament book so that's what we'll be talking about tonight uh we'll be discussing those i'll be asking you some questions about them and i think we'll do the same thing we did last week uh, here on the bible live uh we uh, promised a beautiful brand new New Living Translation Bible, a study Bible from uh, Tyndale Publishers. And Peggy won the Bible last week, calling in uh, with her answer to a question or so. Uh, others called as well. And what we'll do is we'll, uh, if you call in during this next hour and a half, during this next hour, I guess in uh, 15 minutes now, uh, if you call in and contribute to the program, answering one of our questions or perhaps asking a question of your own participating and sharing about uh, the book of Deuteronomy or the first eight chapters of the Gospel of Mark or any other question you might have about the Bible itself uh, uh the entire message of the Bible, from, or something, uh, maybe there's some question or problem that you have with the Scriptures, I would love to have you call in and share that with us. We don't guarantee answers. We're, we're, uh, we're like you. We're just one beggar who found bread trying to tell others where we found the bread and, and sharing the blessings of God, but we're still growing as well. We're still learning. And, uh, but maybe we could have something uh, to contribute if you have a question or maybe just some observation that you'd like to share about what the Bible, what the message of God has meant to your life. We'd love to hear from you here on The Bible Live. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. And what I'll do this evening is I'll ask a few questions from our uh, Bible readings from the uh, last chapters, the last seven chapters of the book of Deuteronomy, or from the first eight chapters of the book of Mark in the New Testament. Uh, we'll ask you some questions, and if you can call in with one of the answers, we'll put your name in the hat, uh, and then we'll have a drawing at the end of our program this evening and see who else might win a brand new copy of the uh, New Living Translation Study Bible by Tyndale Publishers. Would love to uh, give that. That's the uh, that's the 
version of the scriptures that we read from, if you go to our website, thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com, you can uh, see our readings for each and every week. Every year we read through the entire Bible, the book of Genesis through Revelation, and you can go to our website and, and uh, it tells you the, the Bible readings for this coming week are already posted at the site. You can click on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You'll hear a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures and uh, you can just Make your way through the entire Bible, listening in your car, and you're at work, in your home, wherever you have your cell phone, your smartphone, your uh, computer, uh, laptop, whatever you listen to, to uh, from on uh, from online. You can go to thebiblelive.com and uh, just make your way through the entire scriptures with us every year. Uh, hear the Bible. It will be an incredible blessing uh, to your life in, in many, many, many ways. Uh, and I hope that you will join us going through the Bible, reading through the Bible together every year. Then here on Sunday evening, we get a chance to discuss those passages that we read, uh, especially this past week. Uh, we can focus there, but any scripture that you interested in for that matter. Uh, but we'll we'll be talking tonight about the book of Deuteronomy, the last seven chapters, uh, and in the book of the Mark in the New Testament, the first eight chapters. And our phone number again is 210-340-9585. Now, Peggy, I hope you're listening as well uh, from our, our, all of our listeners, with all our other listeners tonight. Um, we will have the Bibles here at the studio this week. Uh, I was unable to get into the studio this past week and get, I think, uh, the virus has folks working remotely. And so I wasn't able. What I'll do is I'll leave the Bibles here at the office. And if you win the Bible, Peggy, you won last week. Uh, if you can find your way to the KSLR studios, the KSLR KLUP, KLUP studios, uh, the Bible will be here, uh, with a message on it for you. Uh, you'll only need to present uh, some identification and pick up your brand new, New Living Translation study Bible. And if you win tonight, folks, if you call in and win the, the version of the scriptures tonight, then we will, uh, Put your name in the hat, and you'll have a chance to have a Bible here waiting for you as well. By the way, you can hear our podcast, our not only our Bible readings, uh, all the readings that I've talked about uh, uh, each and every week. Uh, you can find the readings, and you can find the podcast of our program here on Sunday night at the uh, web at the radio station website, which is um, 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 AM six thirty. Salem, let me see, AM 630, Salem, uh, we'll get it, we'll get it, I've got it here, I've just got that somewhere, but you can also get all, here here are programs, and the uh, podcast of tonight's program as well, you can find them at the Salem Radio Network um, web um website as well. So I'll get that to you in just a moment. I've just been so used to saying thebiblelive.com, but we want you to know there's another place where you can go as well and find the uh, radio readings, the Bible readings for uh, for the year, Monday through Friday, for, all the way through every year, or you can find also the podcast for 
this broadcast as well. So we'll get that for you in just a moment. Uh, John's helping me chase that down for us. I know it, but I I, I don't. It's just not on the tip of my tongue this evening, and uh, we'll get it to you for sure. Okay, let's see what we're going to do now. Now, now in the book of Deuteronomy, I want to mention to you that we uh, have some passages. Okay, let me see. AM 630. AM 630 The Word. That's it. That's it. You can go to am630theword.com. AM 630theword.com. And there, too, you can go to our our podcast. You can scroll down and find The Bible Live, and uh, then you'll find our Bible readings. Or you can find The Bible Live, The Quiz Show, and you can find the the podcast of our Sunday evening program. So both places you can find uh, the readings and uh, and the podcast for this evening. So right now I want to put out a few questions out there for you. Uh, One thing I'm going to be talking about during the second hour for sure is uh, this is kind of uh, the overarching theme of at least the program tonight. I, I want I want you to be able and willing, if you are willing, to give us a call, 210-340-9585. And I would like for you to tell me, in your opinion, as best you can tell me, uh, of course, if you want to cite uh Scripture, certain passages that have helped you form your opinion. But when you think about Jesus of Nazareth, when you try to imagine the life of the Messiah, this uh, this uh, Jewish male, uh, an Israelite male from uh, Jerusalem back 2,000 years ago, uh, he clearly claimed to be the Messiah of Israel. He claimed to be that long-promised, long-awaited Redeemer, Savior, Hero, the, this, uh, this one that God would send to, uh, to accomplish the redemptive, to carry out the redemptive plan that God had for humanity, for humankind. Now, he, Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, and very clearly, we'll see this as well in our New Testament passages, uh, he claimed to be he claimed to be God incarnate. Uh, he very clearly taught not only that he was the Messiah, he, he taught that in several different ways by direct claims, for example, to the woman of Samaria, the Samaritan woman. You remember that particular episode in the life of Jesus. And there are other episodes, there are other moments as well, uh, before the Sanhedrin, before the high priest, and so on. But very clearly, in his direct claims, Jesus of Nazareth claimed to be the Messiah of Israel, and he very clearly taught that the Messiah was God, God incarnate. Uh, so J- Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be God incarnate. Uh, his direct claims and then his indirect claims, uh, he claimed to have and to exercise 
prerogatives, initiatives, authority that only God had. For example, he claimed to be the Lord of the Sabbath, uh, that he that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, and that he uh, claimed to be the Lord of the Sabbath. He also claimed that he could forgive sins, and even his enemies said, you can't do that, only God forgives sins. And Jesus said, okay, so that you know that I do have the power, the authority to forgive sin, the right, uh, I will say to this lame, paralyzed man, rise up and walk, and he will walk. And he and he did. So he demonstrated not only his direct claims that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God, but in his indirect claims, he exercised uh, the divine prerogatives and, and initiatives that only God would have. And then finally, he, he had his dramatized claims. Uh, he raised people from the dead. He healed people. He calmed the sea. And the waves on on the stormy on a stormy night on the Sea of Galilee, and he and he calmed the waves and the, stilled the wind, uh, so that even his disciples said, "Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him?" So Jesus clearly claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God. My question for you, and I would I really want you to think about this, and I'd love to have your honest answer. How did Jesus of Nazareth, how did he come to believe that he was the Messiah, that he was God? How did Jesus, uh, Jesus clearly claimed that he was, and in fact, he went to his death uh, for that very reason, uh, claiming to be the Son of God, the King of the Jews. But my question to you is, how did Jesus know that he was? was the Messiah. How did he, Jesus know that he was God? And I'd love for you to give me a call and tell me, in your view, and I, I think we all do this, don't we, John, when you were when you're a kid growing up and you grew up in the church and you grew up in faith and and you hear about Jesus did this and he did that and that he was the, the son of God and somehow or other didn't at some point in you kind of get try to get into the mind of into the experience of Jesus and say hmm how did how did he know how did he know he, he was God uh and I don't know if you ever thought about that did you not i mean <clears throat> Not exactly like that. No, maybe not overtly, but right, right. Don't we all just at times try to kind of get into Jesus, what it might have been, what he might have might have been experiencing, oh, what he might have thought of, you know? And and the question yeah. on what basis? How did he come to have that idea that he was the Messiah, the Son of God? How did he come to believe it? How did he know? On on what did he base his his understanding? So, folks, if you if you have an answer, if you have a thought, and, and, and listen, um, it's almost, I don't want to say it, but I, I, I suppose we can be wrong, right? I mean, it, it, on the question like that. I was going to say, well, you, there's no wrong answer. Just call in. I, I assume we could be wrong, uh, any of us. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, me especially. <laughs> but no, but, I, but what I'm trying to get you out of is don't be shy. Don't not call because... You don't know if your answer is the right answer. Um, 
what I, I just really liked when you picture Jesus of Nazareth, when you think of him and you think of his experience and what it must have been like to be Jesus and do what he did. Uh, let me, I want to ask you, how did he come to believe and to understand so firmly, so clearly, so, uh, unapologetically and, and I mean, there was no doubt. I mean, he knew who he was. He, uh, for, even from age twelve, uh, he had a very clear understanding. It, we see that he he said, "I remember he went back to the temple, and they said, where did, where did you go?'" And his family had to go back and find him. And they said, "Where'd you go? What did you? How did you get lost?" And he said, "Don't you know I need to be about my father's business?" So even by age twelve, he had a, he had a, and he wasn't talking about Joseph and the carpentry shop. He knew he had a distinct and special arrangement and relationship with God, and he had to be about his father's business. Well, that's our time for our first segment, 210-340-9585. Give us a call. We'll be right back. Bible, the best book I know. No doubt about it. A lot of great books and a lot of great books about the Bible. <laughs> but this great, great book is more more than just a book, although even as a book, it holds its incredible drama, incredible interest, history, wonderful inspiration and stories. But um, beyond that, we believe that it is actually God-breathed. That's what the word inspired mean. The Bible inspired, God-breathed. He took uh, Moses, for example, uh, who wrote the wrote down on paper in writing the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, he didn't do it in a in a catatonic trance. Uh, God didn't take him over like a you know robo writer or anything, and just took over and took his hand. He used Moses. He used Moses' temperament, Moses' personality, Moses' intelligence or lack thereof. He's Moses' life experiences. Uh, Moses lived for 120 years. He spent the first 40 years in the palace of Egypt. Uh, he remember his unusual birth. He was placed in order to save his life as a baby. He was put out on the Nile River in one of the uh, channels of the Nile River uh, at birth uh, as an, an infant, a newborn, and a daughter of the Pharaoh found the little baby and uh, floating in the Nile, took that child into her care, and um, there was one of beautiful story around that. Miriam, his older sister, was there looking out for him, and she volunteered to be his uh, babysitter, his nanny, and so he was taken care of by his family uh, to a great extent, but at the same time uh, raised it with all the benefits, all the advantages of a palace of, of a prince of Egypt. He was raised in the palace of Egypt uh, with all the educational opportunities, all the... Um, the binnies, as they would say, of being a prince of Egypt. Then when he's 40 years old, you remember he uh, took a stand with uh, one of the people of Israel, was being beaten by, uh, as a slave, he was being beaten by his Egyptian overseer, and uh, Moses stood up for the uh, 
Jewish person and defended him and ended up uh, actually killing the the Egyptian overseer. Uh, For that, then he had to flee for his life out of Egypt, and he fled into the wilderness to spend the second 40-year period of his life out in the wilderness of Sinai. And as a shepherd of all things, uh, so many shepherds in the Bible, right? Uh, he there in the wilderness. He married. He met a man named Reuel. <laughs> I don't say that very well in my Hebrew, uh, but uh, the other name we know perhaps a little better, Jethro, is another name given to that man. He uh, met this man. He married one of Jethro's daughters, um, and. Th- uh, and had children and watched uh, the sheep. He was a shepherd there uh, with his wife Zipporah and their children. He guarded sheep, was a shepherd for all those 40 years. And then after on his 80th year, as he's completing that, God appears to him uh, and reveals himself to him in a burning bush, this bush that seemed to be aflame but not consumed by the fire. And God spoke to Moses from that uh, bush, uh, revealed the great I am. Who will, who is it? Well, who will I say sends me? And he says, tell them I am has sent you the great I am, the self-existent one. Uh, I, I will be what I will be. I am that I am. Uh, any of those that you want to choose different renditions of that name uh, that God gave to Moses about himself and called Moses to go back now to Pharaoh, back to Egypt, and demand that the people of Israel be released uh, to leave uh, Egypt. And that would be then their liberation. They're coming out of Egypt, out of the kingdom of darkness, as a picture of our redemptive, the redemptive plan of God. He brought them out of Egypt to take them into that promised uh, land, the land of the covenant, into back into to the land of Canaan that God had shown to Abraham 400 years earlier, and predicted all of those years in in. Uh, in fact, all of those years that they would spend in bondage as well. So there we have the long the, sh- the long story made short. Uh, Moses has done his task. He has led the people out of Egypt. Oh, the ten plagues that God caused to fall on the people on the land of Egypt as a witness to Himself, not only to the people of Israel but to the people of Egypt as well. God revealed Himself and called and caused them uh, a stubborn. A hard-hearted Pharaoh to release the people. Now they have come out of Egypt. They spent about a year at the base of Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments and the the uh, commands and the uh, essentially the constitution that God gave to them that would form and guide them as a people. Now God was involved in nation building at this stage and built them up again. They knew uh, of their covenant. They knew of their uh, their ancestors Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Joseph, and they knew of God's promise, uh, but they had lost many of the details in, uh, of their that would identify them as the people of that covenant. And so there at Mount Sinai, uh, under Moses' leadership, and through using Moses as an instrument of revelation, God spoke to the people of Israel, gave them their constitution, their guiding principles as a people group, how they would live, how they would treat each other. 
and how they would worship God and experience his presence, his power, uh, his preserving and empowering uh, presence in their lives as a people. And so they are now ready after 40 years in the wilderness to go back into Egypt. So uh, we're like I said, I'm going to ask you a few questions from the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, tonight, if you call in and answer these questions, uh, and visit with us there, contribute to the program, join us in, join with us as we get into the scriptures. Uh, we want to take your name down and we'll put your name in a drawing here. I've got a little, uh, hat right here in front of me on the desk. We'll put your name in that drawing. We'll draw uh, at the end of the program. You'll get a beautiful brand new copy of the New Living Translation, the New Living Translation of the Bible by Tyndale Publishers, a beautiful brand new copy. With all the study notes, the maps, it's a great, great uh, um, version of the Bible. And with all the study notes and the commentary, uh, it will really be a great help to you and your personal study of the Scriptures or to someone that you know and love that you'd like to share the Scriptures with. What a beautiful gift it would make for them as well. So uh, give us a call during this hour with any of these questions that I'm going to ask you right now uh, or some comment of your own. Now, I've already put one question out there, and that is, how did Jesus, in your understanding, as you picture Jesus in the Bible, when you think of him, my question to you is, and I hope you understand the question, how did Jesus know that he was God? How did Jesus know or come to know that he was indeed the Messiah, the uh, God incarnate. Give us a call if you'd like to give me your your answer, your personal answer to that. How do you envision Jesus knowing, having that understanding and knowing that, or coming to that knowledge? 210-340-9585. Now let me ask you a couple of questions from the book of Deuteronomy, these closing chapters, and then I'll ask you a question or two from the uh, first eight chapters of the Gospel of Mark. In Deuteronomy chapter 28... Verse 53. By the way, all of these questions are already posted at our website, thebiblelive.com. You can go to online to thebiblelive.com, or if you happen to leave off the word the, you can go to biblelive.com. Both of those will take you to the same site, thebiblelive.com. And you can go to where it says uh, uh, our Bible Live quiz show questions. And if you click on that, it'll take, and you'll see the questions for this weekend are all listed there and with the answers. The answers are there given with them and the verse of Scripture where the answer is found. So um, you you have that. Uh, in each case, you can use that as a resource. This is an, Or you can go to the Bible. I'll give you the passage, and you can go and look it up and call in with your answer if you'd like. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 53, Moses predicts that if Israel disobeys God, a foreign power will lay siege to uh, will lay a siege so severe that the Israelites would be driven to do what for food Deuteronomy 28:53 Moses predicts that if Israel disobeys God a foreign power will lay a siege so severe that the Israelites would be driven to do what for food Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 53 to what 
point of desperation would the people of Israel be driven uh, by this a siege by this foreign power, whatever uh, in this prediction, this prophecy that Moses makes in Deuteronomy 28.53. Now, let me ask you another question. This is maybe a little easier. Some of you may know this one. Who did Moses commission as his successor? The one who would lead Israel after Moses' death, lead Israel into the promised land. Who did Moses commission as his successor? That's our second question from the book of Deuteronomy. I've already asked you one about how did Jesus know uh, he was the Messiah. And let me give you one other. I'll give you uh, let me give you a musical question uh, in a way. I said to you earlier that the book of Deuteronomy consists of four sermons, four messages that Moses delivers to the people. Now, remember, this is Moses that complained to God when God first called him to to go and help bring out the people of Israel. He said, God, I can't do that because I can't speak. I'm not a good speaker. Some people think that that was in some ways that they explain it by saying Moses uh, had a stutter. He had a speech impediment, uh, That's uh, which is certainly a possibility. But that clearly was Moses' excuse for not wanting to follow God's commandment there to go in and, and speak to the Pharaoh and lead the people out of Israel. Uh, he said, I'm not a good speaker. But uh, here we have Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. He records uh, three different sermons that Moses delivered. Beautiful, powerful sermons, messages that he delivers to the people of Israel. Now, his fourth message and his last message to Israel before he he ended by blessing them tribe by tribe. His fourth message was delivered in a different format. It was not a speech. What was the fourth message in what format was the fourth message delivered to the people of Israel starts in chapter 31 31 uh, verse 32 what was what was Moses fourth message to the people and who wrote the message okay that that's my second question to you from the book of Deuteronomy tonight um well i guess it's the third what would be the consequences, the terrible consequences of the siege that that would be laid? What, who was Moses' successor, and what was Moses? What was the format of Moses' fourth message to the people in the Book of Deuteronomy? Those are three good questions from the Book of Deuteronomy. If you have an answer, give us a call two ten three four zero. 9585. 210-340-9585. I'll give you a question or two or three from the book of Mark as well, which we read this past week, chapters one through eight. What was, let me say, Mark was uh, the writer, the author of the second gospel. His name was, um, his name was Mark, Matthew, Mark. But what was his Hebrew name? That's what I'd like to, for you to share with me. What was uh, the second author of, of the author of the second book of the New Testament was named Mark. What was his Hebrew name? If you can t- give me the answer to that, give me a call. 
and uh, that will be your your answer for the evening. Uh, one more question. Let me ask really quickly. Um, the what aspect of the life and ministry of Jesus the Messiah did Mark emphasize in his gospel? And to give you an example of this, we say that the book of Matthew, uh, all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talk about they're the 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 chief figure they are written about Jesus of Nazareth. In the book of Matthew, uh the author, Matthew, writes and emphasizes Jesus, King of the Jews, King of the Jews. That was the the basic emphasis of the of the Gospel of Matthew. What is the basic emphasis of uh, John uh, of God? I'm sorry, of Mark's Gospel. What was the uh, emphasis portrait of Jesus of Nazareth? What what did he emphasize? Not not uh, Jesus as the king, but Jesus as something else. What was his image of the Messiah? All right? Give me a call if you'd like to answer that question or any of the questions from the from the book of Deuteronomy, or my more general broad question tonight, how did Jesus know Jesus of Nazareth? How did he know? How did he discover? How did he learn? How did he uh, come to understand that he was indeed the Messiah of Israel, the, the Son of God, God incarnate. If you'd like to give us a call, 210-340-9585. And let me see if I remember how to do this correctly. I believe I can do that and go. Let's speak. I believe this is... My Stacy. Hi, Stacy. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure if it was going to be my Stacy or uh, another one. Good to hear you, girl. Uh, yeah, well, I'm glad you're able to call in. Did yeah, did William did William get, did William get his reading done? He yeah. did get his reading done, and then we started listening to our favorite. Uh, radio program. <laughs> and <laughs> Thank you. We Good. heard you. We heard you ask about um, how Jesus knew. So I asked Will, and he had a very he uh, as from the perspective of a seven year old. Okay. What do you think, William? How did Jesus know? That he was very told him, easy one. <laughs> so he says that Mary, and who was Mary to Jesus? Who was Mary? And to G- Jesus was Mary's what? Son? Um, mommy. Mommy. Right. And it, so he said that, well, his mommy told him. <laughs> and he's right. I well, think. what better way to learn who you are, right? Uh, don't we all do that a little <laughs> bit, you know? Um, that's good, well, Will. That's, that's a good. really thoughtful, that was a good, thoughtful answer. His Yay. mommy told him. And, uh, Will, now, this is for you, Will. Okay, this is for you. Yay, Will! <laughs> His mommy told him who he was. And, you know, that happens with a lot of people, William. You know, your grandpa, as you know, didn't have a mommy and a daddy that he knew about. Uh, I, I was abandoned at birth and passed around to a lot of different, 16 different families before I was six years old and all. I never knew who my mommy was and never knew my daddy. But, um, but normally that's what people do is when you know, you're a little, 
you're a little boy growing up, and your mommy and daddy, you know, you get to be maybe four, five, six, seven years old, and mommy and daddy start yeah. telling you about where you, you know, where you were born and who your grandpa yeah. was and who your grandma was and how you came about and how you came to be. And you were born in Spain or you were born in Texas or, you know, all of these different things. And yeah. uh, you're right. That would be one of the more natural things uh, for a uh, 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 for a person to learn about himself yeah. would be from his mommy and daddy. So I'm going to put your yeah. name in the hat, Will, Woo, and we're going to yeah. give you a chance to win a brand new study Bible. Mm-hmm. So your name goes in the hat first tonight. Thanks, yeah. Stace. Sure. That and was I, a, I really that, yeah, it was really sweet because I didn't, I mean, I prompted a, a little bit, but from the perspective of a seven-year-old, that's the most natural <laughs> answer. It's the most, uh, well, his, probably told him. Well, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. It really does. Thanks, Stace. I'm glad you called. Yes. yes thank good night. you. Have a good night of rest, you guys. Have a good night's sleep, like grand boy. Bye bye. Well, w- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Joe. go ahead. Um, what's the hat? You actually have a hat that you can write. I, I actually have a hat sitting right here in front of me, and I put your <laughs> name on a piece of paper in the hat. And at the end of our program, we're going to have a drawing. And whoever's name I'd pull out of the hat, they're going to get a, win a brand new Bible. And the only one in there? Are we? Are we? You're the only one so far, but we'll get some more, I'm sure. good. Uh, have a good All night's right. sleep. Thank you so much. Uh, bye-bye. Okay, then... Um, there you go. We have our first caller. It happens to be a very uh, familiar voice to Grandpa here. But you can give us a call. Uh, give us a call right away, 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. So give us a call. Now, uh, I have put out some questions there, but my uh, the bigger question, it, it particularly as we're moving back to the Gospels, uh, the life and the times of Jesus of Nazareth, uh, the Messiah that is being promised, that is being predicted here in the Old Testament. Uh, when Jesus comes about, uh, oh, it's what about a thousand five hundred years later now, after this time where Moses is camped at the east side of the Jordan, about a thousand thousand five hundred years later, Jesus of Nazareth is born. And the after all of the predictions and everything, uh, the point is, the question I ask you is, as you look at the New Testament, when we're getting now into the New Testament, talking about the life of Jesus, the things he did, we're all, uh, well, most of us are a little more familiar, I think, here in our society and culture. We're a little bit more familiar with the uh, New Testament than the Old Testament. That may not be true. We may be uh, may know a whole lot more about the Old Testament, more about the Old Testament than I think. But we seems like uh, there's uh, a bit more familiarity with the New Testament passages. But when we get into the Gospels here and you start you start reading about who Jesus was and what he did and where he went and the miracles he performed, the the messages that he presented to the people, uh, the things, his teachings to the people and so on and what he accomplished, the, we we come to understand very clearly that Jesus uh, claimed to be that long-promised Messiah. As far back as the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, uh, God had been promising a Messiah. And he said in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, for example, uh, God says to 
to uh, the serpent whom Satan had used as an instrument of temptation to Eve in the Garden of Eden. He says, uh, you're going to uh, uh, I'm going to send the Redeemer. You've you've caused chaos. You've caused uh, interrupted the relationship that I have with Adam and Eve. It caused them to fall into sin. You've tempted them to sin, to disobey me, to doubt me. Uh, But I'm going to send a Redeemer. I'm going to send a, a someone who will destroy your works, Satan, and he's going to be uh, uh, um, a seed of the woman. Uh, in other words, he's going to be a male uh, of the species. Of a human being is not going to be an animal. He's not going to be an alien. He's not going to be an angel. Uh, he's going to be a human being. He's going to be a male of the species, uh, which is pretty interesting. That narrows it down to half of the human population. Uh, and all through the Old Testament now, there are over 300 predictions, over 300 prophecies about who this Messiah would be, what kind of person he would be, what kind of life he would live, and and uh, the kind of things he would do, and uh, so we have these predictions now. Uh, here, hundreds and hundreds of years later, now the the Messiah comes, and so we see Jesus. We read about him in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We read about him in the the epistles uh, as well. Uh, and we see the things he did, the things he said, taught, and so on. But my question to you, as you think about Jesus of Nazareth, do you feel a kinship with him? Uh, do you feel, uh, I, I remember that, that some passage, he is considered to be our elder brother, our older brother. Uh, he is, uh, so there's some kinship that we have. I've had people say to me, you got to be like Jesus. You got to uh, be like him, imitate Jesus. Well, in your mind, what is Jesus like? Did Jesus come to know that he was the Messiah? Give me a call. I want to hear from you. Please give us a call. We want to hear from you. I want to hear what you're thinking. 210-340-9585. The Bible Live. We'll be right back. Spotless are they white as snow are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? All right, we are back. Our final segment already this evening on the Bible Live. So I'd like to give you a chance to give us a call this 30, 30, last 30 minute segment. Give us a call. Get your name in our drawing for a brand new edition of the Bible Live. Uh, the, the New Living Translation version of the Bible that I read from in our Bible readings uh, as we read through the Bible every year. And I'd like to put your name in the hat here and we'll have that drawing at the end of our program. Uh, the questions that we have out right now are one, I would like for you to call and give me a, a, a sense of when you think of Jesus, when you read about Jesus in the New Testament from the Gospel of Mark or Matthew, Mark, Luke or John or any of the New Testament, and you envision and you think about him in his life, um, his teaching, his traveling, his choosing his disciples, uh, the healings and the things that he does uh, in his life. Uh, the question I have for you is, how did Jesus come to know that he 
was indeed the Messiah, that he was indeed uh, the Son of God, that the Messiah was indeed not only just a, a great man, but was also God incarnate. How did Jesus come to know this? What was his uh, source, or how did he know that he was God's um, chosen, that he was the Messiah? That's our overarching question, because the reason I ask you that is because I was talking to John here during the the um, segment, our, our, our break here. I was asking, you're going to be reading now Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to be reading about Jesus and what he did, the things he did, the, the sermons he presented, the messages he presented, his courage, his, uh, his compassion, his healing, uh, and so on with others. And the question becomes, what? What was his life experience? Is there anything there that we could identify with him uh, in in some way? Is uh, or is he so totally and incredibly totally unlike us that we can't possibly identify with him? Uh, I, I was telling John during the break. I remember when I was younger, people would say, "You be like Jesus. Let Jesus be your example. Be like him." And and I used to always say, well, I, I, that's impossible. I can't be like Jesus. I mean, Jesus was God. I mean, I can't. How am I possibly going to do that? Uh, how can I be like him? And, and so you, you can see what I'm coming from here is it, to some extent, your relationship with Jesus is going to be flavored to some extent, at least, by your understanding and image of how he, how he, his own self uh, identification. How did Jesus know who he was? Um, so I, that's the reason I'm asking that question. I, I, I think it's an important question and I'd like to hear from you. Uh, some of you older believers, many years in the faith. Some of you may be younger in the faith. Uh, we, the only one we've heard some for, so far this evening is a seven year old boy, uh, answering and saying, well, uh, how did he know he would? His mommy told him. <laughs> Sounds like a good Jewish answer, right? You know, yeah, yeah. He, um, his mommy thought he was God. <laughs> so um, I think there is a Jewish joke. that I think Jacob used to tell us a story about that. But anyway, uh, so that's my one question. The other questions come from the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Moses predicted that if Israel disobeyed God, a foreign power would lay siege so severe that the Israelites would be driven to do something terrible something very extreme for food now this was this prediction was uh fulfilled this prophecy was fulfilled twice uh, at least twice in the experience we have of Israel and the foreign powers one was one was um Assyria and the other was Babylon. This this prediction, this prophecy that Moses gives was was fulfilled twice at least. Uh, so what is it that so extreme that they would be this siege would be so severe that the Israelites would be driven to do something very extreme for food? What was it that Moses predicted there in chapter twenty eight verse fifty three? Uh, who did Moses commission as his successor, the one who would lead Israel into the promised land? Uh, and let me, I'll throw another one in here real quick. What was called the year of release in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 10, uh, and in chapter 15, verse 1, what was the year of release? Uh, that's another one. And then I've said that Moses delivered 
uh, four sermons in the book of Deuteronomy. The first three were in the form of talks, of, of uh, speeches that he delivered. The fourth sermon, or the fourth message that Moses delivered, came in a different format. What was the format of the fourth message in chapter, starting in chapter 31, verse 32? What was the format of the fourth message that God delivered to the people uh, of Israel through Moses there uh, on the east bank of the Jordan River? Now, we've got another call. Let's see if we can bring up Franklin is giving us a call. Okay, Franklin, I'm glad to hear from you. Do you want to answer one or more of our questions, or what? What do you? What's on your mind tonight? Hi, Sophie. Hi, Franklin. God bless you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I have to say, uh, your 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 grandson had a wonderful point about Jesus. <laughs> that was pretty uh, good, I thought. Yeah, it was great. And you know, when you think that he was uh, in the temple when he was twelve, saying, "I have to be about my father's business," that might be kind of a giveaway. But I kind of think that he really knew that he was the son of God when he was baptized by John the Baptist. Came up, and the spirit of the Lord in the form of a dove came down, landed upon him. The voice of God said, this is my son whom I well please. Well, interesting. Very interesting yes, answer. Because Now, uh, for a less yeah. controversial answer, uh, as far as the prophecies there, uh, I, I believe that uh, the one was uh, that they would be eating their babies, that their is children, a, that under is, the siege. You're exactly right. <laughs> And Joshua was the uh, appointed heir of Moses. Yes. And I believe he probably wrote the Psalm of Moses. Yes. So I'm kind of sneaking in another one there. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I don't mind at all. That's wonderful. In other words, the fourth message was not a sermon or not a speech, but it was indeed a song. Um, Yes, it was a psalm. It's actually the first recorded song. And the only person that could have written it, I I think, would be Joseph. But I'm intrigued by it because I can't think of it. What was Mark's Hebrew name? Now, that one is really interesting to me. Well, I almost gave it away a while ago. Um, oh, don't do that. I almost did. I almost gave it away by mistake. Oh, and... Okay. Now, look I'm at sorry, this. Uh, let, me read, an answer, let me read something to you. Okay. This, this is God speaking to Moses, you're about to die and join your ancestors. After you are gone, these people will begin to worship foreign gods, the gods of the land where they are going, and and so on. Uh, and and I pronounce certain disasters. If they do that, they they're going to have some disasters in their life. And the, and then in chapter in verse 19, God says, "Now remember who's speaking." God speaks to Moses. It says, yes. so, so Moses, write down the words of this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Help them to learn it so it may serve as a witness for me against them. And so my question was, who wrote the song of Moses? It chapters it starts in chapter 32. And wow, well, it would be God then. <laughs> that is so interesting <laughs> to me. Here now, I'm going to give you the words to this song. I could hear the king of the universe is teaching um, Moses a song. Uh, it goes like this, Moses. Clap your hand. <laughs> I, I could just see it. <laughs> yeah. 
Who wrote the song? Uh, it was you're indeed right. Only it, Moses had a guitar. Yep. Yeah. If only you had his <laughs> his. Well, Moses' uh, fourth message was delivered in the form of a song or a poem, I suppose, and it was God who wrote the lyrics, evidently, because He told Moses to write it down. So, uh, uh, really, really interesting passage there. And you're so good to call in and get, answer us several of those questions for us. Uh, you said well, they were just. Just Did you say who his successor who was? Excuse me, jo- Joshua. Joshua, yes, okay, we got that one. Yeah, and and uh, they ate their babies, which yeah. was awful. Yep, yeah. under, uh, under the Assyrians and, uh, and the Babylonians, that happened. Yeah, yeah, that was twice. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, the Assyrian and the Babylonian, and then again, uh, perhaps even under the Romans. I'm not sure. Uh, that would be a third one. I'd, no, no, I don't think not under the Romans. It wasn't recorded there under the Romans. The you're right. I think you're uh, exactly right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you this one more question, Franklin. You're you're helping us a lot by answering some of these. What was the um, year of release? Oh, that would be the Jubilee every fifty years. Well, actually, it was every, the, it was every seventh year. With the festival of shelters, the the year of jubilee was was different. It was it was a bigger celebration of the year of release. Yeah. But the year of and release, everybody got released. Yeah, yeah, but every seven years, yeah, yeah, that's right. What did they do? Uh, they get, they were to read. They were to um, seventh year. The debts were canceled, and the Hebrew slaves slaves were to be released. Anyone under a uh, uh, under a, a labor contract. Was to be yeah, released from their contract there. on the seventh year. There was a, there was a nasty little condition there. It, you see, if if they uh, were given a wife by their master during their term, yes, uh, they would have to leave uh, their wife and any children they'd have uh, with the master. But Interesting detail. they could have their ear nailed to a door. Uh, and uh, then they would be the masters forever then, right. until they died. They were then called um, bond slaves because yes, they voluntarily they bonded themselves bond to the to the master. Something and, like that. Yes. the bond slave, and that's what yes. that's what if Paul they calls himself. Before they came in, yeah, yeah. If they had wives and children before they came in, they could leave and have their wives and children. But if the master had given them a wife, and and he they had children. Then the master kept the wife and children, so it's kind of like a hostage situation. Well, very little bit of drama there. That's a good thing. A good thing to look into. We can we can check that out for sure, Franklin. That's good. That's good. Well, there you have it. You have gotten your name in our little box. We'll have our little drawing in a bit. Let me get someone else a chance to get on the air here, and we'll have two or three names in our. Well, I think William. I think William ought to <laughs> win this one because because he gave. Absolutely, the most precious and best answer of all, and he's probably right. You were very kind. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. All right, we'll see what Thank happens. You, all right, brother. And God Thank bless you. you and all your family. Thank you, Franklin. Thanks for Franklin calling in. William as well. You can give us a call, 210-340-9585. Franklin did indeed answer a number of our questions. Uh, it was indeed the... the prediction that Moses made that they would be a siege so 
severe that the people would eat their own children. And that happened under Sennacherib in the Assyrian siege, under the Assyrians, and then later on under Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian siege in 586. 722 B.C., uh, the Assyrians took over the northern ten tribes of Israel, but at, uh, during that period as well, they laid siege to Jerusalem, and we saw that uh, that prophecy come true. Then we uh, Moses commissioned indeed Joshua, one of the two Caleb and Joshua that said the 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 uh, the spies who came back with a positive faith filled uh, decision to go into the promised land. And they did not die in the wilderness, as did their contemporaries. Then let me see, the year of release, every seventh year, debts were canceled and the Hebrew slaves were to be released. I was looking at that and thinking about that this week, about this idea of debts being canceled. Um what would, what effect would that have on a culture, on a society? For example, in the United States, we're practically almost coming to that point now under the coronavirus. You know, debts are being canceled. People are saying, no, you don't have to pay your rent this week, this year, this month. Yeah. Uh, school, I mean, what, what is it, uh, college debt? College debt, we're being talked about, you know, that, that, People would have their their educational debts canceled and so on. So we're we're having some talk about this sort of thing and the idea of what would happen in a society where this was the rule, that every seven years uh, debts would be canceled. Uh, In the first place, that would would minimize the use of lending and loans, right? I mean, even people who have money to lend or to loan – probably wouldn't be as quick to loan money if they know that, especially if you're, let's say you're six months away from the year, the, the, uh, not the year of Jubilee, but if you're six months a year from the year of release, the seventh year, you probably wouldn't want to make any big, big loans uh, or long-term loans because knowing that in six months it's going to be canceled. The debt would be canceled. So that that would have a very limiting effect on the whole idea of borrowing. And that's what we see in the New Testament. The idea is don't don't borrow money. Don't don't uh neither a borrower nor a lender be and so on. Uh we're of course in our society, in our culture today, we are given over to debt. I mean debt is just everybody is in some level of debt and so on. So we we clearly haven't kept that particular rule or law that every seven years that the debt was to be canceled. Uh, and I don't think the people of Israel did either, uh, not that we have recorded in any big sense. Um, but if, if every debt was to be released every seven years, that would that would pretty much do away with the idea of lending, uh, at least commercial lending. Uh, you know, you'd have moms and dads and families gathering around each other, and I suppose some of that takes place anyway, right? Uh, but I was trying to think of what would be the effect if if every seven years or every 50 years, as Franklin made reference to the year of Jubilee, uh, when debts are canceled in, in um contracts uh labor contracts were were ended so very very interesting answer there and an interesting detail from the old testament about the idea of debt and then this song of so- song of moses recorded in chapter 32 of uh deuteronomy this final message the fourth message of of uh Moses is delivered to the people 
in song in poetry and uh and and interestingly i, I think it's interesting at least as a yeah, kind of quasi musician i love to sing and i've sung my whole life and part of our ministry and all uh is that god wrote that song he said now write down the lyrics here moses i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to give you some lyrics here and this wasn't just you know three verses in a poem and you know in a little this is a long this was a long poem uh that god gave moses the words to so uh, uh moses god himself wrote the lyrics to the song of moses so anyway there we have i i have another question i was a son of jacob so moses blessed my descendants but no tribe is named after me uh maybe you could answer that question i was a son of jacob so Moses blessed my descendants, but no tribe is named after me. Who am I? If you can answer that question, give me a call, 210-340-9585. And then finally, how did how did the, the three periods of Moses' life, what were the three uh, major periods of Moses' life and ministry? All right, give me those three, the three ways, a 40-year period, another 40-year period, and another 40-year period. What were the three ways that Moses spent his life? Now, that's a two, question, two more questions from the Hebrew Scriptures. Let me give you a question or two from the New Testament. Uh, what was the Roman name? The Roman name for the man who authored the second gospel was Mark. What was his Hebrew name? His Hebrew name was John. His name was John Mark. And let me ask you this question about him. What contact did John Mark have with the Apostle Paul? Now, we don't know all the answer here, but we do know there's some biblical answer. What contact did John Mark have with the Apostle Paul? And then which... uh, Which... What aspect of the life and ministry of Jesus did John Mark emphasize? Matthew talked about Christ the King. John Mark, I'll give you the answer to this one. John Mark talked about Christ the Servant. And uh, we get that from the fact that uh, John Mark wrote more about more miracles than any other of the Gospels. He included more miracles that Jesus performed. And there was less long discourses and more fast-paced action. We see Jesus going from person to person, village to village, uh, and him acting with people. So we see Jesus uh, emphasize in his servant role. And his, and his Hebrew name was John, John Mark. Now, who did John Mark... Uh, whose, uh, uh, let me see, whose vision and whose experiences of Jesus did John Mark, uh, uh, we understand that John Mark reflected most in his gospel. In other words, John Mark wrote some uh, from his own experience and his own uh, 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 testimony, his own eyewitness experience, but he mainly wrote from the eyewitness experiences and testimony of another one, of someone else. Who, Whom did John Mark, uh, from whom do we think that he principally got his information about the details of Jesus' life? Okay, from whom, on whose behalf, we might say, 
by on whose behalf did John Mark write and his remembrances of Jesus teachings and Jesus life all right give me give me a call 210-340-9585 if you know the answer to that question whose uh, view and whose experiences with Jesus of Nazareth did John Mark write from okay Give me a call, 210-340-9585. Not a whole lot of time, so just about a minute. If you can call within a minute and give me an answer or a thought about uh, one of, any one of these questions, and we'll get right to you and give you a chance to win that New Living Translation Bible. Uh, right after he was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, uh, uh, um as as was mentioned by Franklin, our last caller, uh, what did Jesus do right after he his baptism? What did Jesus do right after his baptism? Can you give us a call about that? What did he do? Uh, and then next week we will go further into the Gospel of John, a uh, Gospel of Mark. We'll read more from the Gospel of Mark, and. Uh, We'll finish the book of Mark and go back to the Hebrew Scriptures, the book of Joshua. We'll finally get across the River Jordan into the Promised Land. But still some questions coming up about the Gospel of Mark, and we'll we'll major on that to some extent next week as well. So what did Jesus do? What is recorded right after his baptism by John the Baptist? Anyone can give us a call? We've got about... Oh, oh, not very much time at all. Better, better go ahead and give these answers. And let me tell you what the answers are. One, right after he his baptism, he went out to um, the wilderness and was tempted. Uh, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, and he was tempted by the Holy Spirit. Um, tempted by Satan. Tempted by Satan there in the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit. So uh, here's my winner for this evening, the one who wins the copy of the Bible Live, the New Living Translation Study Bible, is a little boy named William. (laughs) A little boy named William. He said that Jesus knew he was the Son of God, the Messiah, because his mother told him so. (laughs) I like that answer. We'll talk about it more next week here on the Bible Live. We'll see you then, folks. Have a great week. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.